Basketball teams are entering the final month of the NBA regular season as they gear up for the playoffs. While some teams are locked to make the playoffs, others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the Larry O'Brien Trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any basketball team to win their next game, and if during that game the team of your choosing hits a three, you bring home $100 in free bets. That's 101 odds of the team of your choosing to hit a three. They don't even need to win. This year's teams have been hitting threes at an unprecedented pace, so get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook before this offer ends. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Ladies and gentlemen, basketball fans across the world, welcome to another edition of the Basketball Podcast, the number one basketball history podcast on the Basketball Podcast Network. And we're number one because we are the only one. I'm Jeremy Brenner, the CEO of Basketball Nostalgia, continuing seven seconds or less Suns Week here at the Basketball Podcast. I've got two-thirds of the Solar Panel Podcast, one of the newest additions to the Basketball Podcast Network with Dave King and Espo here today. Saul Bookman could not be here for part two, but that's all good. We're rolling with uh, Dave and Espo today. Guys, how's it going? Pretty good. Yeah, we're doing real well. I can't wait to, the, to, to to talk about uh, tearing our hearts out uh, for another. Yeah, usually I do this with a lot of guests where, I, where we start part one and it's all the you know the unicorns and rainbows and then part two just you know <laughs> rip them out. Yeah. <laughs> wait, as Suns fans, there weren't any unicorns and rainbows. It was usually just getting it unicorns and rainbows uh, until the playoffs started. That was that's true. That was that Suns fans. That's Fair true. So. I was just going to say, you got, you got the two best of the solar panel, too, so you're good to go here. <laughs> two oldest, anyway. Well, you're old Brutal. in spirit. You're not old on, on the calendar. You're old That's in spirit, Espo. Well, if you want to listen to uh, the lesser pain, then go check out part one. And I would highly recommend that you listen to part one so that you can have a little bit more context for what we're going to talk about now. So uh, if you follow basketball on Twitter, feel free to go over there. All of our episodes are posted over there and on your podcast app of choice. Just uh, hit. I guess rewind or go back to the last episode because it's the last episode that we talked about was the 04 to 06 era of seven seconds or less. And this is more of the 06 to 2010, 2012. We, we kind of talked about a little bit before the show about we didn't know when the seven seconds or less era ends, but we'll, we'll talk about that later on as well. So we leave off from our previous episode where the Suns lose in the conference finals to the Dallas Mavericks. And and Dave, you had mentioned that in 2006, you felt that this team was arguably the best chance 
uh, at, at going all the way. But yeah, it wasn't the best team necessarily, but it had the best path through the playoffs mm-hmm. if they could have just stayed a little healthier. Well, in 2007, that team is a bit healthier because Amari Stoudemire comes back and the team doesn't have too many uh, personnel changes. You kind of keep the group together. And the idea, I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's because the team was so injured in that playoff run, this was more of, okay, if if we have our team at full health, then this, this will work. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They kept the team together. Exactly. Uh, the Amari came back or Thomas came back from injury as well. Uh, they went into the season healthy. They had another great start to the season, just like they had two years prior in 04. Uh, and, uh, they were, they were on a roll. And as Espo mentioned in the prior, um, episode here that the Suns found some grit in the 0506 playoff run that they didn't previously need to have yet because you got to you got to experience uh failure to get growing to get pains. tougher growing pains and uh so they found grit in that 06 so they combined the flash with a little bit of grit they had Kurt Thomas with Roger Bell and and uh, all those you know they, they had an edge to them so they felt like this was their best team and and I do believe that this was the best team to make it through a playoffs in the Dan Tony style. The the toughest thing about this offseason, you guys mentioned it, it stays fairly uh, fairly normal. They overspend on Marcus Banks, that's one of it, but cool. they wind up in the draft lottery. Part of the part of the Joe Johnson trade is a draft pick that's coming a first round draft pick that's coming from Atlanta that's top 3 protected, right? Atlanta's projected to get the fourth spot in that draft. This is the Kevin Durant, Greg Oden draft. So if they get if they fall where they're supposed to, the Suns not only have this amazing roster, they get the fourth pick in the draft to either add a young guy or use that as a trade chip. Instead, Atlanta moves moves up in the draft lottery to three. They draft Al Horford, and the Suns don't get that draft pick for another couple of years. It becomes Robin Lopez at number 15. So that too also changes the dynamic here because likely you either, you either add a a very good young piece or more likely you trade, use that pick to trade for somebody that has, has an impact on this roster too. So that's a sub storyline that's going on at the same time as all this as well. Kind of wild to think if, if the team ends up with, I, I mean, I guess Al Horford or like a, a Joe Kim Noah, like how things would have been. Like those were the guys. Con- Mike Conley is the backup point guard mm-hmm. to Steve Nash. But the than- guys who were actually in Phoenix, I remember them talking. Joe Kim Noah was, uh, I'm pretty sure it was him, saying that he was all ready to get drafted. Before that lottery happened, he was like, uh, he knew he was going to the Suns. Al Horford felt comfortable. He would, the Suns needed a big man to play a pair next to Amari because mm-hmm. back then you were a two big man team always. And they knew Kurt Thomas was on his his uh, downswing of his career. So that would have been absolutely perfect. But you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. They didn't get the lottery luck there, and they ended up keeping the team that they still thought was the most talented Suns team ever and ready to uh, go to the finals. And they proved that in in 06-07. They won 61 games, were right back at the number two seed in the Western Conference, and this team was able to kind of – they faced the Lakers once again in in that 2-7 quadrant, 
and they they make quick work of them. There's no you know three yeah. one lead. No, no drama that time. They're the ones that go up three one, and they they finish them off in five, and then they move on to face our good old friends, uh, the San Antonio Spurs. And this series, I think, will take up the bunk, uh, a good chunk of our time here with this episode. <laughs> so because there's a lot to unpack, um, and and because the number one seed Mavericks that year. This was the same year as those We Believe Warriors beating them in that first round series. So nice. essentially the, the Suns and the Spurs are the two best teams, not just in the Western Conference, but because the East that year was so poor with um with like yep. LeBron James as the best team in the league with his old roster, this was kind of seen not just as the fight like not this right. the conference finals, but the, it could have been this, arguably yeah. the two best teams in the league, the finals. And right. you're getting this as a second round series. So going into this series, guys, what do you think moving forward? Are you getting like a little nervous? We felt the same way. Dude, we felt the same way. This mm -hmm. was the finals before the actual finals. If you can survive the Spurs, then you can you can walk path to, is real the, easy. to the championship. Mm -hmm. And and not that, you know, to take anything away from those teams, but it really was going to be a walkthrough. It really was. So this was it. Sunday afternoon, game one. They're playing the Spurs. Um, I think the Suns had just um, had less time. Uh, we were already we were already on edge because the Suns had less time to prepare for that series than um, than the Spurs had, and, and it was just it was just frustrating. Sunday afternoon, I believe it was Sunday afternoon. And then you've got Tony Parker headbutting Steve Nash on the nose. Right, yeah, and when they can't get it to stop to bleeding. Yeah, and they, they couldn't. Can't. When have you never? When have you not been able to get a nose to stop bleeding? When you when you put super glue on it, they yeah. were super gluing his face, and yeah. Nash's nose still wouldn't stop bleeding long enough to keep him in the game. When the Suns, it was a tie game, or or the Suns were up when he went out, or got that got the got the headbutt to the nose, and they couldn't close out because they couldn't keep Nash on the floor. Yeah, he kept he keeps coming in and out because it, it'll stop for a, a little time, then it starts back up. Uh, the head athletic trainer Aaron Nelson's trying everything he can to get this thing to stop bleeding. Just and long once, enough. Yeah, once again, you feel like it's not because the team wasn't good enough. There's some bizarre extra factor. There's always a hinky. play. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the the yeah. thing is this team. This year, going into into the series in the regular season, they're the the first in offensive rating, and they're thirteenth in defensive rating. So they yeah. they've improved on uh, on the other end of the ball. That that mm -hmm. when they first meet in that uh, the first time in the Western Conference Finals against the Spurs, they're not as good of a team. Everybody in Phoenix is looking at this, going, "This is a better team, or at least as good of a team right. as the Spurs." This is the chance, right? And then you get this headbutt in game one that that make you that they can't stop. It's unintentional headbutt. I say it as if he like he like went up and did that. He was reaching for the ball. Yeah. It just turned out oh, to yeah. be a forehead to the nose. And oh, it was so wasn't good because I still remember yeah. the scene. Tony, Par there was so much immediate blood that Parker had blood on him before they separated right immediately just spurting blood on contact parker went down because he felt pain in his forehead laid on the ground held his face 
And his own teammate, Robert Ory, the only cool thing Robert Ory ever did, uh, because we all hate Robert Ory in this town. <laughs> um, the only cool thing Robert Ory ever did, he looked down at his own teammate, Tony Parker, and said, get up, man. It's not your blood. <laughs> he should have thrown him a towel like he threw at Ainge. He would have been good oh, to go, God. right? Yeah, Honestly, no, the, in some uh, ways, I kind of feel like this was the last true physical series like i can't remember a series since this one that's been as physical because of the rules changes the, the refs don't allow any of that physicality but mm -hmm. yes apparently they allowed it uh, for the spurs against the suns yeah mm -hmm. and now that same series the rest of the series uh you look at nash every game he's got more and more bruises on his on visible bruises on arms and legs because of the way Bruce Bowen was defending him. Extremely physical. I mean, all all guards do this. All all defenders as well as offensive guards do this. They'll they'll grab the arm of the other person to keep them close to them, or they'll or they'll they'll get below the below the waist contact, like with legs and stuff like that. Because refs only call it when. Uh, when you're really obvious with an extended arm, but if you hold the guy close to you, they can't see your arms extended. And if you're always kicking them or kneeing them below the waist, uh, you don't get fouls called. And so Steve Nash had bruises all over himself by the end of that series. Oh, and this is where Bruce Bowen slipping his foot under people as they yep. come down off of jump shots. Uh, there, there's all sorts of weird factors and that's without even bringing up Tim Donaghy and the refing situation going on within this series too. There are so yeah. many levels in this, in this sun Spurs uh, 2007 Western conference semifinals that make you know, it, it's crazy. It's I just also had how an much interview going with, on. Yeah. I had an interview with Donaghy when he was promoting his little movie and book last year. And um, he actually said, obviously he downplayed his own impact on that series, but because um, he did ref game three, the sun's actually won game three. Um, pretty sure. Anyway, they, they, they lost game three. three. They lost game three. And they lost Donaghy, game three by seven. That's right. And Donaghy was a big difference guy in that. He was saying that the head of the refs, uh, I think it was maybe Tommy Nunez, but the head of the refs hated the Suns, and mm -hmm. maybe it was Robert Sarver. The Sarver, yeah, so Sarver much, yeah. Yeah, that he was actually telling the refs, his ref crew before each game, what to call and what not to call. Look for this. Call this as a foul. Look for that. Don't call that as a foul. He was actually gaming the refs before the game would start, even even without betting being involved. Well, I don't think. Honestly, I think that's always how refereeing's been in in basketball. To be quite frank, so the whole thing it just well, adds another level say, of there drama. There's a lot of that going on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just adds a whole other level of drama in these games that that didn't need another level of drama. We were already at peak. Uh, it, it was basically uh, a high school. You know, there was so much drama yeah. going on in this series. Yeah. And, and this, all, all this drama, all these small storylines, the, the bruises with Steve Nash, the, uh, you know, the, the bloody nose, Tim Donaghy, it all comes to a boil at game five. And this, well, really at the end of changes, game four. or at the end of game four, excuse me. Yeah. So end of game four, Suns pull out this win in San Antonio, but more so than that, it, it, it changes the course of the series, not just from uh, tied at 2-2, but I'll, I'll let you guys take the floor with this one because you can probably describe the story a lot better. Just, than just, I you just got to say hip check. 
That's all you got to say yeah. is the Robert Ory hip check. Steve Nash talking about it later. So the, um, in the final seconds, the Suns had sealed, basically sealed the win. They just had to run out the clock. Um, they had to get the ball across half court. So Steve Nash was dribbling toward half court. Robert Ory decides he's just going to hip check Nash um, to, to commit the foul to stop the clock. However, <clears throat> Ori was a little bit more um, physical than he needed to be on that. And Nash said later he played it up, knowing Robert Ori was going to hip check him. He threw himself. Um, he extended the 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 impact by throwing himself into the scorer's table to make sure that the refs called the foul and not letting Ori get away with the hip check and not call a foul. So he threw himself out of bounds. He had no idea that that would incite the rest of his team to run to his aid, including guys who were on the bench. It didn't occur to him in the split second. He decided to over overact on the, oh. on the foul. But he, he uses a little of the hockey flair from back yeah. in his Canadian growing up in mm -hmm. Canada, going into the Canadia. boards there. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, and I, I don't know. I, I still stand by. That's the dumbest rule in NBA history. If, if, if there's no room for interpretate interpretation on it. Right? Well, the thing is there is apparently room for interpretation because the, the Later commissioner on, said, yeah. well, the commissioner said that they, you can't leave the bench area if you're not in the game as a player in the game. And, and what happened is Boris Diaw and Amari Stoudemire both ventured toward Nash to help him up. They didn't start any fights or anything like that, but there was an altercation on the court between the players that were in the game. What's interesting is that earlier in that same game, there was a hard foul by a Suns player against a, a Spurs player. And, Tim Duncan, who was not in the game, had literally w jumped off the bench and walked 10 feet onto live ball court while the play was happening. It wasn't even dead ball. Um, uh, and to, to potentially, you know, I don't know what he was going to do, but he basically, you're not allowed to leave the bench area. He left the bench area in a live ball and was not suspended. So there was some interpretation. Yeah, well, that's mm -hmm. true. I just the reasoning they gave is that no fight ensued when Tim Duncan left the court and and so or left the bench, and so it's the fight that causes the decision on whether to suspend people or not. And I get that if if Amari and Boris were part of that fight, yes, hundred right. percent. If they're if they're within spitting distance of that fight, yes, but they're not. They barely no. get off the bench, uh, and and that's. That's what's problematic here because that win everybody felt, and I think the Spurs even felt it, and it may have been yeah. why Robert Ory uh, fouls Steve Nash like that. That that is the that is the tide changing in this series. That yeah, that the Spurs the were the in the "How dare you" uh, reaction exactly. Robert Ory, that hip check was the "How dare you beat us." at our own game mm -hmm. and tie it at four with two of the next three at, at, at home because the Suns had the, had the uh, home court advantage. And this, this altercation hip check results in the suspension of Robert Ory and Omari Stoudemire and Boris Diop for game five, which ends up being a three point win for this, for the Spurs. So, I mean, if yeah, because I'm not, the Suns lost no, two rocket huge players. players. Yeah. yeah but I would think that if, Boris Diaw and Amari Stoudemire, two of the key, like two of the most important players for the Suns, were playing. I think they would make up a three point difference. And not to say that Robert Ory wouldn't have made a difference had he played the game, he but <laughs> at home in Phoenix, 
it, it's very possible that the Suns would have won that game. In fact, yeah. it's, it's very likely. The Suns have to play the corpse of Jalen Rose in this game, right? A guy who's been Brutal. squarely glued to the bench yeah. for, for an entire year, and they are so depleted that they have to yeah. turn to him. And I They really only they run six guys in this game. They yeah, run. Because- it was the starting five was Barbosa. He played 33 minutes. Kurt Thomas played 12, 36 minutes. Sean Marion played 45 minutes. Steve Nash played 46 minutes. Raja Bell played 46, nearly 47 minutes. James Jones comes off the bench, plays 28 minutes. And then Pat Burke plays three minutes. Oh, I could have sworn they played Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose is a DMP in Pat this Burke game. Pat Burke was the human victory cigar. But he ended up having to play in that game because two of the nominal big men for the Suns, uh, Amari and, and Boris, was a big man at the time. I I apologize. Um, I forget it was James Jones that gets the gets James, the minutes. Yeah, what's well, funny who, is James Jones now the GM putting together an even yeah. better team. But potentially, but, J- but James anyway, didn't play a lot of minutes. Prior no, he to didn't this either. He I was mean, he was literally just a three point sniper. That's that was his only his only job out there is kind of like today's Suns Cam Johnson job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a, a, apologized uh, apologies to uh, Jalen Rose. His corpse was still uh, <laughs> squarely. Still on the he was still it. so bad. He couldn't play even then. <laughs> yeah. So the Suns, the Suns head to San Antonio lose in games. Hey, one more and- quickie, one more quickie. Go on ahead. I think Sean Marion was actually, he played 45 out of 48 minutes. If I remember correctly, he was actually a plus on the plus minus in that game. They lost so badly in the three minutes he sat. I got to go back and look at it for sure, but I believe that was the case. Yeah, let me let me pull that up because that that's actually pretty interesting. If if that's yeah, the case, considering he played forty eight minutes, considering he played so much, though, so in that game, Sean Marion was a plus, or no, it was it was Kurt Thomas who was in the plus. Kurt Thomas okay. was a plus four. Sean Marion was a minus five. But Leandro Barbosa, he was a minus sixteen. It's and just, James Jones, yeah. James Jones was a team best plus eight. So when Barbosa was in the game for for James Jones, that's when that's when the Spurs take over. But, but I mean, uh, look, thanks. you look it at this. In, it was in the yeah, it was in the fourth I mean, quarter mostly. I mean, you you look at this, and the most important game you could argue of the entire seven seconds or less run, right? They're forced to play a six-man rotation. Granted, that's a D'Antoni decision. There's other guys that maybe could have played, but no, probably his other options were Marcus Banks, (laughs) Jalen Rose, and Sean Marks. Yeah, I mean, I didn't say there were good options. I just (laughs) was saying if he wanted to expand past six, he could have. There were bodies. We'll say that. But look, in in what's probably the most important game of the seven seconds or less run, they have to play a six-man rotation, and they still almost win this game. Like, it's it's crazy. Another another instance, instance of... Something that really is has absolutely nothing to do with basketball, costing them the opportunity in in this run. And if they win this game, say because it felt like they were going to win that game when they came home, even only playing six guys, because it's it's that impressive of of what they they do. If they win that game, I can only imagine like how crazy that the rest of this run gets because that's the toughest moment you're going to face in the entire playoffs. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt that that's the, that would have been the toughest moment. So then 
how does that run turn out? Like, do they just do they just run the table if they win that game with all that motivation with 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 Boris and, and Amari back and, and and all this? I that that's probably one of the biggest what ifs in Suns history for a franchise that's known for what ifs. Now, to be fair, in Game Six, the Suns did have everybody back, and they didn't have the um, the stones or whatever you might want to call it to to even it up and come home for the uh, home court advantage in game seven. I think so, I mean, that's what they happened. were demoralized, but they didn't necessarily have to be demoralized off that one there. They reacted as bad as we did to those suspensions. That's um, true. They were so ready for good things to happen when they got punched one more time in the mouth. They went down one more time when they didn't. So, I mean, we've got to give the Spurs credit. They figured out how to freaking win. Um, even if it took getting rid of some of the Suns players to do it, they actually figured it out and got it done. Well, and that's the, the difference here is Mike D'Antoni, Greg Popovich, and I will right. stand by that. The, Mike yep. D'Antoni's the weak link in in that right there. And that's why the Spurs win is because Popovich was a better coach. And that's something that, that D'Antoni has had. It's something that I guess he hasn't really learned from, if you will. He That's always been his Achilles heel is his playoff rotations. And we saw that in Houston. We saw that in, in New York where he would just, he would play the bare bones and you would see in, in series how that would affect the team. And you wonder if that's the reason why or if, it, if just those teams weren't good enough. But in the Suns' case, this team was very capable. It was, they were very close to beating this, this uh, Spurs team, even with an uh, inabbreviated lineup considering they didn't have uh, Amari Stoudemire for that game five. But I think that, that has always been his, his Achilles heel. That has always been his, what makes him a bridesmaid instead of a bride. Is I think is his playoff success and and whether Speaking that of bridesmaid, is, he yeah, might I actually mean, win a championship. I know that very well as a bridesmaid yeah. this year. Yeah, um, with the with the Nets, I mean, he may finally yeah. get that. That, but that also brings up a very interesting point, which we can talk about, you know, later or on a different on a different podcast. But um, this next season comes up and comes at a with a huge surprise about midway through the year. When the Miami Heat, who could have faced the Suns in the finals just two years ago, they decide they are at the point where they are one of the worst teams in the league because they cannot stay healthy. And they think it's time to move on from Shaq. And the Phoenix Suns are the ones to pull the trigger. They acquire Shaquille O'Neal from the Heat, and it costs them Sean Marion, which is a kind of a head scratcher if if you're if you're an outside from Phoenix, just because you know how vile, how vital Sean Marion is to those teams. But to you guys, when you find out big Shaktus is coming to the desert, well, it's like, I can hear it in y'all's voice. It's like taking a Ferrari and deciding it's good to put a hitch on the back and, and put a trailer on it. Like what's, what's the point you, you have trading in the Ferrari for a Hummer. That's what like, like you're putting your, 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 you have this beautiful, thing going on and, and yes i understand sean marion is is upset at this point he feels undervalued because he was people did not appreciate what he was doing as much uh, as as uh, nash and amari and even boris right. to some extent at times but I, I think it's one of those you would have overcome that 
and and you make a a, a overreaction and overcompensation by going after Shaq uh, with with Marion's contract, and it, that it's just well, it, it's just especially he came into that season. Yeah, he came into that season talking openly about wanting a max extension, um, and. And really his hierarchy on that team, this is 08. They're still at the height of their powers. The hierarchy is Amari and the, uh, Steve Nash and Amari above him. And um, that he wanted a max extension. The Suns weren't going to give him a max extension because they just weren't going to do that to the third best players on, player on their own team. So, And he was a little grumbly. He was a little bit grumbly. The Suns lost their mojo. We all knew, even though they were – they had the best record in the West. It was felt a little stale. Like the 08, um, 07, 08 season felt stale. It felt a little bit like we haven't changed. Here we go again. In the big games, the TV games, the uh, Suns were still losing, uh, you know, important games. It just, it was a little off. Um, now, I don't agree with the trade that they made, but I agree that they felt like if they were going to win a championship before Nash got too old, they needed to make some kind of change. That particular trade, maybe not, but they did feel like they needed to make some kind of change. So this trade, this trade was more so we need to get value for Sean Marion before he walks in free agency and Hey, Shaq's available. Why not? Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Well, yeah. And they needed a change of pace. I think not, not in pace of play, but they, which they wound up having, but they, they, they went seven they seconds with Shaq after that. Yeah. Yeah. They, you needed, they, they needed a different, uh, some, something different, but when you realize that Kevin Garnett was the other guy that they almost got with Sean Marion from Minnesota, the year when before. you look back at that yeah. the year before you go, well, crap! That wasn't a, this. This was a that miscalculation. Oh, it was the off season before because it was almost a done deal. But Marion would not sign an extension with the Celtics as a part of the trade, and so the Celtics nixed it. Um, it was going to be Marion ends up with the Celtics. Uh, KG comes to Phoenix, and the Minnesota starts over with younger players. I forget who. Uh, most Al of the Horford Celtics are younger players. Yeah, they're not so, Al Horford. Uh, Al Jefferson. Al Jefferson, who was considered a potential star at the time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that was going to be the trade. Then it turned out to be a two-team trade where Garnett went to uh, Boston directly. But um, it was going to be. Um, uh, including because they, they had originally wanted Amari and then the son said, no, not Amari. We're not going to trade Amari. We're going to trade Sean. And then Sean wouldn't sign an extension with the Celtics as part of it. And so uh, everything went, just died at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, but it could have been Garnett next to either um, Sean or Amari. And then they could have, they could have gone. Who knows what happens in. with that team. But in the trade for Shaq, it doesn't translate into playoff success. They end up losing once again to the Spurs, this time in a five-game series. They they are able to salvage game four. It was nearly a sweep, but uh, the Suns get game four in their favor. But Gentlemen it, sweep is what they call it. Did it feel like this was like you could feel that the best days were behind them Oh, yes. after that? Yes. Yeah, it was over. Mm-hmm. You could you could feel it when they made the trade. You you mm-hmm. you tried to convince yourself because oh it's Shaq, but you kind of knew this was this was it. You mm-hmm. know, and, yeah. And Mike D'Antoni leaves that off season, and they end up bringing Terry Porter in, and that doesn't work out very well for them. They missed the playoffs in 0809, and in 2009-10, 
they they hit a little bit of magic. They they get a little bit of luck on their side. They are able to kind of piece back together what they had a little bit, but with yeah. a newer with a newer style. And they end up making it back to the conference finals in 2010, ultimately losing to the um, ultimately losing to the Kobe Lakers that ended up winning the their second. We're not going to recap that final there. play. No, we're not <laughs> anything that has to do no. with uh, world peace. But, um, but definitely, no, so that what they ended up doing after a year of trying out with Shaq and it failing was um, swapping out basically, not in single transactions, but uh, swapping out basically Shaq for uh, Channing Fry. And I remember the uh, the practice notes from Paul Coro, the great Paul Coro back in the AZ Republic days where he was the beat writer who could show up to practices and watch him play. He's like, uh, the, the coaches and all that, Steve Kerr, the GM at the time, was saying, oh yeah, Channing Fry is going to be a huge three-point shooter, and he had never shot threes in his entire career. Mm-hmm. And they signed him for the minimum that offseason, and they're like, oh yeah, he's going to be a huge part of our team. He's going to probably lead the league in three-pointers. We're like, what? What are you even talking about? This makes no sense. And there it is. He comes out. Channing Fry is one of the league's best three-point shooters, and uh, the Suns revisited the seven seconds or less style for another year. Yep. Yeah, you had Jared Dudley in there a little, uh, a little bit coming too. off the yes. bench. They were actually yeah. the gritty version, the gritty ten deep version of a seven, seven seconds or less because Alvin Gentry did use a bench and Goran Dragic became better. Robin Lopez was in there uh, in the starting lineup as their big, um, and so they they were able to uh, you know recall the old days for a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's actually one of my favorite teams out of that group mm-hmm. just because, because that it team, was unexpected yeah and i think those those happen to be the best teams when when you don't have that many expectations and you end up defying expectations which is very similar to this year's sons team you know they are very much not um they're very much they weren't expected to be as well as they're doing i don't think i don't think anyone really saw that but dave you mentioned earlier how this team is the best team since these seven seconds or less since teams and you say they might even be better so could you maybe talk a little bit about uh, why this Suns team is there and why they should be considered a legit title contender this year? Well, I just, uh, before we wrap up, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there is a chance that this team is better as far as, as far as they can go in the playoffs and all that. I think they're a little bit more balanced. Um, they're definitely a little bit more balanced. I think you've got a lot of the, a lot of the chemistry type of things and a lot of the uh, results that actually the 0405 team did where they were kind of bad the year before, but they had all the young talent. Then they brought in the all-star point guard. Suddenly they were beating everybody. Um, that team started 31 and four. This team um, has gone 28 and seven after an eight and eight start. 28 and seven is freaking incredible. Yeah. Um, and uh, they have, Mm-hmm. I know having the having the second seed in the West, um, bringing in that All Star point guard for the young guys, the young guns. Um, there's a lot, and and the big worry is that they'll be like the 0405 playoff Suns, where they they just don't have the have the have the experience to get all the way through to the finals. However, um, this team plays tougher than that team did. This team has a much better defense than that team did and a really good offense as well. And a couple of closers in Devin Booker and Chris Paul. So I do think this team has some elements of the old Spurs, 
the way the Spurs would win, and as well as some elements of the old Suns. Whether that gets them anywhere, we don't know until the final until the playoffs start. But uh, they do have a lot of the right elements to be successful. It should be an interesting finish. I'm excited to see the Suns back in back in title contention, and it should be a very interesting. Uh, very interesting playoffs. I'm really excited to see that. So uh, I think it's a good place to wrap things up. But uh, Dave, Espo, and Saul, thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing this story, helping me tell this story. Feel free to uh, plug what, you're, what the three of y'all are working on with the Solar Panel Podcast and anything else you may be working on. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, you can find me on Twitter Dave, at Dave King NBA. Uh, you can find my work and my written work, what I've been doing for the past 10 years on brightsideofthesun.com. Uh, that is a, is a great blog. It gives you all the latest on the suns, very unique content as well. And then the solar panel, which Espo and I do with Saul uh, Bookman and on Saturday mornings and occasional midweek stimmies as well. Uh, we, we got the solar panel podcast. We do live YouTube shows and then uh, you can always watch it on YouTube or listen to it on your favorite podcast app later. Yeah. Espo. And then you can just find me at Espo uh, tweeting way too much about, uh, about the suns while I'm supposed to be doing other things. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow Saul Bookman on Twitter at Saul underscore Bookman. And thank you guys. Appreciate it. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter. If you'd like at Jeremy Brenner, that's J E R E M Y B R E N E R. We should also follow basketball on Twitter, P A S T K E T ball and the basketball podcast network at hoops pod net. They're also on Instagram with the same handle. Uh, we'll be back next week with two brand new basketball episodes. I'm always excited to see what's next. I'm also working on uh, an NBA 2K series where we take the year 2000, the entire roster of the NBA and let the game play out history, see if history repeats itself, see if it does something different. I'm currently working on that, hopefully getting some of these first episodes out in the next couple of weeks. It should be a lot of fun here at Passball as we uh, head into the playoff stretch. And yeah, so be sure to just check us out, subscribe to the podcast and your podcast have a choice and be sure to be sure to feel the basketball. I guess that, that feels weird. I should have, you know, sometimes when you don't know what you're going to say and just, you know, word yeah. vomit comes out, you know, I J guess that's Jeremy, that's I appreciate being here, but I'm not going to feel your basketballs. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we need another manscaped ad. All right. Let's go. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much uh, for tuning into this episode of the Passable Podcast. Until next time, rewind and be kind. <laughs>